everyone, welcome to Animation Nation. I am your host, Prime Time here, here with the latest news on animation and pop culture. Hopefully, everyone's having a wonderful day, no matter where you are around the world. Uh, we got some news for, for you for today. Apparently, there are some, there are some like, uh, I was searching through any other articles, and apparently, this one kind of stumbles in out of nowhere. So, the first off is coming from Cartoon Brew, that apparently we got some more details from the from the whole acquisition revolving around Justin Roiland, the creator of Rick and Morty. They, we seem to have more and more details from a, apparently for some, coming from NBC News, according to the article, they interviewed at least 11 individuals who shared thousands of messages sent by Roiland between 2013 and 2022. Nine of the 11 said that Justin Roiland turned, turned their exchanges, exchanges six, Exchange, uh, turn their basically their stuff and exchange sexual favors. Now, one of those nine, three were just only around 16 years old when when the conversation started. NBC News says that the people interviewed it for the piece also provided photos, videos, social media posts, emails, plane tickets, receipts, as well as Uber records that corroborated by their claims. Seven of the individuals interviewed for the piece had previously posted their allegations against Royland online. Many around the time that felony domestic battery of false imprisonment charges against Royland became widely known earlier this year. Those charges stemming from the, the alleged 2022 incident were eventually dropped by the district attorney due to lack of evidence. NBC News reached out for Royland's lawyers, Andrew, Andrew Bridler, who referred to the claims of the interview subjects as quote-unquote the false and defamatory. In the article in question by NBC News, that, that most of these serious allegations, one of the women interviewed alleges that back in March 2019, while Rowley was, was in Boston for a gaming convention, he forced her to perform a um, oral sex on him against her will. I also like to, um, I apologize for that, I like to clarify that I'm um, well, I'm about to go details, it might be a bit disturbing. I apologize for that. Um, that's uh, another example for that. So um, please keep in mind if you are not very comfortable with hearing all this, all hearing all this sort of stuff. This is what the report we got so far from the from the uh, article as we provided. So things might be a bit more uncomfortable, not ease. So this is just a warning as we go on. So as we continue, the two matched, the two matched on Tinder and Royland interviewed the woman out for a drink. She told that she was only 20 and couldn't legally purchase alcohol. But when they meet up, he bought her two mixed drinks. At the drinks, they went, went shopping and Roland bought her some clothes before the two headed to his hotel room. She says that when they got to the hotel, Roland asked her to perform a, again, quote-unquote, oral sex on him. And she, which, which she replied, no. According to her, she persisted anyway and pushed her ahead, pushed her head towards his crotch, at which point she stopped. She stopped resisting. The two stayed in intermittent contact over the next few months, and in June 2019, the woman confronted Royland about the night they met. The NBC News article included the content of the text conversation, which reads, and I quote: "So." This one's gotta be from, from the woman's perspective. This is from the woman's perspective, according to the text the woman was mess was messaged. So this was the woman. This is what the woman in question is, is answering. 
Yeah, I just want to say that I would never want to say anything to her or hurt you or be a part of that any, in any way. But also, the sexual stuff that happened with us was not handled by you in the best way and I just wanted to want you to take that into, into account in future, de in future dates. I know it was not black and white, but verbal consent is important. This is what Roylan replied. Shit, yeah, I didn't. I'm really sorry, fuck. It, that's not cool at all, Jesus. That That is not me whatsoever. I literally didn't get consent. Next, the woman replied, I mean, you said after that, you thought it was, you thought it turned me on to be forced I don't think that you that was your exact words into it and I told you that I wouldn't I would have preferred it didn't happen next Roland replied oh Jesus Christ I'm so I'm really sorry and at the end the woman replied no I was like not consenting I was like saying no and other things but not very forcefully now Roland's attorney didn't directly address the accusations of the forced oral sex but didn't but did, but did say that the woman asked Brooklyn to buy her clothes on that day they met, offered to sell her pornor pornographic videos several months later. He says the interactions would left Brooklyn feeling, quote-unquote, dumped and taken advantage of. Then the next one also talks about the accusations of grooming, which three of the 11 people interviewed by NBC News provided proof that they, that they were only 16 years old when Brooklyn first approached them. And that in each case, he was aware of their age. Jenna Waters, who is non-binary, was one of the first people who publicly speak out about Roiland in the post screenshots of their interactions with them. Waters says that they were only 15, I mean 16, sorry about that, when Roiland approached them for the first time, viewed Roiland as a, as a mentor. Now Waters believed that Roiland was just grooming them. When Waters was 17, Roiland offered them to flip offered them to fly to the, his house in LA. The trip didn't happen after Waters rema remained Roiland's at their age. However, when, when Waters was only 20, Roiland really extended a new invitation to visit him at the site of his video game company, Squatch Games, in real North Carolina. As a few hours and drives and drives one from the Waters' home, Waters says that the event, which Roiland persuaded them to drink despite knowing that they were only 20 and didn't want to, they said that after the party, Roiland invited the two women back to his rental, aka his apartment, and asked the Waters to kiss one of them, but they declined and drove home. Two of the, two of the anonymous interviewers shared their text messages and Roiland referred to them as jailbait. One of the women said that while she was still a minor, she told Roland that she wanted to be a video game streamer. In, in response, he wrote, "Okay, Roland says, I bet, I bet you'd be, and he says, and a quote, I bet you'd do good. Then once you turn 18, you just start, come, start came warming, warring, whoring. But just the end of the article, so, um, so as of speaking today, there was an article by by comicbook.com that are, that apparently um the uh, obviously the Fiona, the Fiona Kick series came out and one of the episodes featured Lemon Grab. Now it was now it mentioned in the article that Lemon Grab had a new voice that replaced the character. 
Now, for those of you who don't know, Lemon Grab was, his original voice was obviously Justin Roiland at the, at the time. So, most of his roles are basically, what comes with Lemon Grab, but mostly voiced by Justin Roiland. Now, with this new episode from Fiona and Kate, which I watched, is not voiced by Justin Roiland, it was replaced by someone else. I want to bring that to thought because, um, uh, that happened and we might, there's also, um, an upcoming Rick and Morty new season. I don't know what day the new season starts, but well, what we could tell is that the um, you know, we're not sure if they're going to have at least a new voice actor for Rick and Morty, since obviously we know is that Justin Rowland voices two of the characters. Um, all we need to know is that at least where is that at least that um. Now we know that Justin Rowland has been replaced by a couple of by a couple of times from from one of the series he's been. He was replaced by one of the characters by Solar Up by Solar Opposites or Polar Opposites, yeah, Solar Opposites, and recently with Lemon Grab as well. Um, so it's true he was dropped by charges for domestic abuse. How, but however, he's still blacklisted by the by the industry, and also he's left his own gaming company, Squatch Games. So, what, as far as we know, um, there is likely that the that I know there's likely that he might be replaced. However, we we're not sure if how accurate is the voices going to be with Rick and Morty. Now, aside from that, obviously this is a very serious case with um with, with what Justin only just did, and we all know that the um. You know, there, there are times where, like, at least, um, you know, we don't know if this is fully the truth or not the truth. We still want to see physical, at least physical evidence to see if all of this is accurate. But there, but like I mentioned before, a couple times in the episode where in the animation industry, there, there sadly has been many reports that many show creators tend to do some type of, like, these horrible, horrible actions, like, most of what Justin Rowland has done, um, flying these women from, from their houses to LA, I seen this before with another similar creator by the name of, uh, by the name of John Kay, who did the same thing before, where he, um, hired, hired a couple miners who flew them from their house to LA as a mentorship and then he um, he abuses them he sexually exploited them at the time and then so on and so forth and so this has looks like he's been doing the same thing with Royland as well and um, and it's getting a lot a lot more complicated since this story is getting a lot more details and we're probably as more and more evidence we see so far with Royland what he's done um, he also he also getting a lot of flack ever since the whole um, uh, the whole accusations of his report. Like a lot of people don't really like his voice that much when he voices other character. Which I I could see that where whenever Roiland voices a character aside from Rick and Morty, it's just either just raunchy pitch or just really really awkward. Like. Oh jeez, I'm I'm a Mr. Uh, Cuppinhead, and I do this or whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever or yeah, something like that. Which, again, if you 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 have if you I'm not a voice actor, anything else, 
I I just wanted to say is that if you want to have variety, actually have variety within your voices. What I just witnessed is that it's just whenever I hear any other character that Voiland voices, is all he obviously reminds me of Rick and Morty. Because even if a hint of change of the character he voices, for example, Lemon Grab, I just reminded of just Morty just screeching with a high pitched voice and getting annoyed. Or at least with the video game High on Life, where the, the gun is just basically sounding Morty. And we all know it's Justin Warren, and he's not doing that much effort when it comes to his voice. But aside from that, um, we still need to at least have seen any evidence, and at least maybe some type of a court date for this all this sort of accusations. But at the same time, the domestic one was dropped. But apparent, but still, even if it's even if it's dropped, he's still blacklisted from the industry. Since again, I like to mention before that we got re- at least report months ago that Cartoon Network itself, along with the, obviously the work with Adult Swim, they're basically the same thing, just with different networks. Did their own investigations with Royland with a couple of times where Royland was was being more immature. There are a couple of reports saying that the employees got annoyed by him by using uh, some type of toy car running around the building, having his dogs in the building. There was a couple of times where he where he just ignored ignored his writers when it comes to episodes. And he never even met the people who are working with Solar Opposites, his other series. There are also times where he um, hit the also reports saying that him and his partner Dan Harmon were also having conflicts within the office because um, apparently during season three, um, Hartman invited his own writing, his own writers from his previous uh, previous series, uh, Community, who are all female, and he didn't, and Roland did not like that because he changed the tone to the series from his perspective. And so there has been a lot of like back and forth going on with Roland within the within the Cartoon Network Studios, and honestly. It doesn't look like he seems to be a well practical good guy, honestly, and uh, he seems more like just a just an just an asshole, basically, and doesn't look like a guy you want to be working with. I mean, I don't blame you if you want to work with this guy. He's just he's just like going around doing goofy stuff instead of taking matters seriously and just working on his own show, but not anymore. I mean. If this is what the Cartoon Network um, studios claim to do in their investigation, then you might at least consider the consideration since now the studio's gone. But still, all this is sounding very serious. Um, I don't think Justin Owens coming back in the industry. I would be surprised he is. I also heard a lot of reports saying that even though he is not coming back in the industry, he is still getting credit for making Rick and Morty. From what I've heard, uh, I wasn't 100% sure I need to look back in the article, but from what I hear from reports that he might still get credit for Rick and Morty, he was not going to be um, like receiving royalties and stuff. I know he's not going to voice them, but he's still going to receive royalties for making Rick and Morty. So that's another downfall, but at least we, at least the man seems to be blacklisted from anywhere he goes. So, um, there might be more reports about this situation, but this is what we have so far. This is like a recent news we got so far from Cartoon Boo when it comes to like releasing more information from these alleged victims who are who are um, speaking out against Justin Roiland. So yeah. Now, our next story for today comes from Cartoon Boo. It's coming from Bloomberg.com. 
Now apparently the Unity engine, arcade Unity technologies, destroys the goodwill with developers as the game makers have turned a, a masses against the company's new fee policies and are voicing their collective displeasures. Now the now this has been a banner of a banner year for the once beloved brands crushing their own values uh, as we see so far with the Warner Brothers and other stuff going on so far. However, with Unity Technologies Incorporated, John CEO John Risutilio, I can't pronounce his last name, apologies for that, except any remaining customer of goodwill for his company for this for disasters roll out a widely new policy which the Unity as a company behind the suits for tools technology called the Unity Engine helps people making video games. It has long enjoyed reputation of being a user-friendly as well as relatively independent developers, especially with contrast with to the chief rival Unreal Engine, which tends to be the better fit for beginners. More expensive games, the long list of the game develop, developed on Unity includes the indie hits such as Among Us, Hollow Life, Call Knight, and Cuphead. I didn't know Among Us was made in Unity Engine, so does Hollow Knight. No, not Hollow Knight, I mean Hollow Knight, sorry about that. But in 2020, Unity went public and shares opened at $75 and spiked at high gross of $201 before plummeting down to $30 last year, largely due to the Apple privacy change. That, um, they believe the ad based revenue that had kept Unity afloat. The latest incident began on Tuesday when the Unity when Unity announced a new policy called the Unity Runtime Fee that will charge companies for every installation of their games once certain thresholds have been crossed. The announcement was a was a communication was with communications mess with a left of several questions unanswered such as what about the games available via subscription services such as Xbox Game Pass? The company was forced to clarify with a series of subscriptions of PR statements. Unity says that Microsoft would be on the hook for those particular downloads. Game developers were livid, were livid for days. Games companies big and small have now been cast, casting the tech, the tech maker of the social media for the decision. Developer and the popular game Slay of the Spear or Spire offered one of the most cutting comments threatening to move their next project to a new engine if unity doesn't reserve the policy we have never made a public statement before they said that is how badly you fucked up in protest some of the unity developers are dis disabling ads on their games while others are are even mulling a class action lawsuit Unity has since tried to clarify aspects of their policy, saying that it will impact at least less than 10% of the users, and won't be able, to, it won't be applied to to charity bundles or installments. But the biggest question is still lingering: How could Unity po possibly keep the keep the track of games installs? Unity answers that it's is preparatory, is so you'll have to trust us, quote unquote. In reality, game developers say that the 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 counting on the numbers of games the player installs in games is nearly impossible due to the triangle of the logistics questions and privacy implications. It's not clear whether to whether this new fee will actually provide a essential essential threat to any of the game studios. But not but one but one thing is clear: in just a few days, Unity has, has thoroughly torched its brand. 
Thanks to disastrous communications rollout, the company has burned trust and, and driven countless of users away. It may take years for the company to be able to come back to its crown as king of the indie in engines for the indie games. If it does, in the time remaining, the competitor is always pouncing. Now, here's two ways to understand this situation. Um, let me give you an example how this is kind of serious. So, for example, let's say you use a obviously let's say you use some type of software engine or anything else to that makes you like make either content, entertainment, anything that gives you money. And obviously, the company noticed they want to give you pay the map for a hefty fee because your product provided entertainment by using their resources. For example, let's let's say I use um, let's see I use what could be a good one. Uh, let's see I use um, hmm, what, what could be a good what could be a good example? Uh, let's say I use Toon Boom Harmony. That's an animation engine. Let's see I use it for my content. You know, it's you obviously uh, Toon Boom is a bit expensive. It was obviously it's industry brand for any animation studio. Let's say I use it for content and I gain a lot of a lot of subscribers, a lot of views. Let's say I reach like around like around like around let's say 100 million subscribers, something like that. And Two Boon Harmony, for example, let's say they notice my growth by using their by using their engine. They say, hey, we notice that you use our product or other program to grow your content and make you popular. We want some of the percentage of you using our product. And it goes, and the prices go higher and higher if you keep using that product. Now, it's terrible if you are at least, and it gives ghost effects to anyone, anyone who are using the Unity project for, for making their games. This also mostly affects the small indie developers who have to pay a hefty fee if their product goes mainstream or at least getting popular and this kind of leaves out the competition for anyone who wants to make any type of content now this could also backfire than any other games who are using that type of content if a person decides to at least um, play a lot of their games which leaves the hefty fee of the developer to pay more and more and it's just a disaster I, I remember I used to play and I used to play. I used to use Unity back when I was in high school for a computer programming class. It wasn't that bad. From what I experienced from using Unity, uh, it was just mostly just playing around, just and just like figuring all the lines of code, playing all the models and details. It wasn't that bad of a software, but um, I'm still surprised many other like games that are popular still using the Unity engine, which obviously it's still kind of for free unless you pay the premium version which helps them grow a lot of stuff a lot of indie games made were popular using the unity engine for example like again among us hollow live hollow life sorry about that hollow knight um any other game that uses the unity engine it makes it makes it like that and seeing how this is not yet to pay hefty for any other people who make their games if it gets more popular a lot more it's just gonna be more complicated. It leaves a lot of big hefty fee from them. And obviously, if people are gonna go through the, um, 
Google to their competitors, their uh, competitors, Unreal Engine. Now, obviously, Unreal Engine, as far as I know, last year just released their manual of how to use their engine, and people and many companies have started using the Unreal Engine. I remember many other companies using it from their games. It was really interesting. And this has been like a big, big flag for the gaming industry. As much as this is going a bit more complicated as it is within the field, I'm pretty sure this is going to be at least another big blunder when it comes to gaming companies using this sort of stuff. Not to mention that the CEO of Unity himself, from what I hear from many reports, is the sex same, a greedy bastard, to the point where one of his conference calls on the stock market literally says that if you have a player playing let's say battlefield for example who is who is shooting obviously who's playing a game and obviously shooting their gun they will you it'll be interesting to charge them more to reload their weapon charge them to reload a weapon so if i use let's say i don't know if i use like anything like a pistol or a rifle anything else if i have to reload my weapon I have to pay to reload this weapon. What if I only use clips? What if I only use a single bullet of any old rifle that they keep putting in within, <laughs> keep putting in? Do I have to pay for each bullet for this gun? Because it doesn't use mags. It only uses either clips or at least a single bullet to put inside. This is the most greediest thing I ever heard. Coming from this guy who all he thinks is just money. He's not obviously, by the looks of it, he doesn't. He's not for the, the gamers. He's not for, for the developers. He's for his own money-making scheme for being more financially wealth instead of worrying for the customers and the product. And they're digging a much more bigger hole than it was, and um, it's just been a disaster. Now, many many people, at least a lot of people from the gaming community are now um, decided to go to social media and spread the awareness and start to um, protest, at least fight back against the um, against the Unity company for making this awful business decision, which I obviously, I agree. Um, I agree with this incentive where you, you want to call out for any company who are making bad decisions for the product for any gaming developer. And this is just uncalled for. And this is gonna keep going Obviously, people are going to use the Unreal Engine more than just the Unity product, and nowhere else. Maybe, just maybe. I know a lot of a lot of computers, computer schools and colleges uses the Unity Unity uh, Engine as the main focus of studying, or at least for like for projects and stuff. But I'm pretty sure once they heard about this, maybe they're just slowly going towards at least the um uh, the Unreal Engine. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows, honestly, at this point. But for what in the time being, um, by the time being, we're not we're not sure entirely how this is going to turn out. But it would be very, very devastating to see a lot of the um, uh, a lot of gaming com- a lot of like indie gaming companies stop using the real Unreal, Unreal Engine, and so looking for other benefactors like the the Unreal Engine, the Unity Engine. Instead of learning other benefactors like the, like the Unreal Engine. So um, that's the thing that we might seeing. Um, obviously, I'm waiting for the developers. 
and um, hopefully things will resolve soon. I'm, I'm pretty sure hopefully, because if not, then uh, it's going to look like a really, really bad image for Unity itself. I mean, it's been there for a while, and it made a lot of impressive games, either indie or AAA. But far as we know, it, it seems to be as if they need to do something before before disaster happens with the company. So we have to wait and see, and I'll give you guys more updates on this situation as time goes on. Now, our last story for today comes from the AnimeNewsNetwork.com that yes, yes, it has been revealed since last week at least that the film, the latest Studio Ghibli film, Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heroine films opens in North America theaters and IMAX on December 8th with preview screenings on November 22nd. GKS had announced on Wednesday that it will be, that, that it will screen Hayao Miyazaki's latest film, The Boy and the Heroine, in North America theaters and IMAX on December 8th. A special preview engagement on the 22nd. The company, the company streamed the first ever English first look teaser video for the film's footage, which we already have a official teaser trailer, not the one where it just has a bunch of lines of text and uh, nothing else to it. So I don't know what happened there, but it, it's, the, there, it's the company's decision to do so. So, anyways, GKs licensed the film. The new, the New York's Film Festival will screen the film's U.S. first premiere of the film as the official selection in the spotlight selection. The 61st New York Film Festival will take place around September 29th to October 15th. The film will, will have an international premiere on Toronto International Festival as the event opening film is on Thursday at Roy's Tom, Tom, uh, Roy Thompson Hall. This will mark the first time Festival of is opening with the animated film as well as the first time for a Japanese film. The San Sebastian Film Festival will screen the Europe, the Europeans premium of the Dosen San Sebastian Carlson um, Auditorium in Spain on September 2nd at the, at the event opening of the gala. This will mark the Miyazaki's fourth film to screen on the SSIFFF and the first time his film is particularly at the event's official selections. The film opened simultaneously on IMAX and is general released in Japan on July 14th. The film earned more than Miyazaki's celebrated Academy Awards, winning since as a one film spittered away in his first four days and earned 50% more than his 2013 film, The Wind Rises. The film exceeded around $1.7 million from, from 44 IMAX screens and the new three, the new three-day opening record, according to the Entertainment News website Deadline, the film sold at least one, at least sold 1.3 million tickets, and earned about at least the U.S. around like around 13, 13.2 million dollars in the first three days in Japan. The film sold at least one, 1.343 million tickets, as earned around at least around 2.149 billion yen, which domestically around is used at around 15.53 million dollars in US in its in its Friday and Monday Friday and Monday long weekend the film is the is the first studio Ghibli film to get a simultaneously IMAX release the film is also screened around in Douglas Optimus Douglas Cinemas and DTX SX the story takes place during World War II after Mahiro loses his mother during the fire bombings of Japan of Tokyo he and his father Moved to the countryside. There, Mahito's father gets remarried 
to his late to his late mother's pregnant pregnant sister. As Mahito struggles with the situation, he en- he encounters a, ta- a talking heroine and enters another world based on the promises that he can meet his mother again. Samosan Toki, who is an 18 year old, voices the main character Mahito Maki, and Takuya Kimura makes a special appearance. The cast also includes around many other many other cast members within the film. Miyazaki is also credited with the original works and any additional directing the films and writing and writing the script. With with Ta- Takashi Hondo's Ponyo in the Cliff Sea and rebuilding and rebuilding Evangelion films is the animation director. Joe Hashiji, which is also from the Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke and My Neighbor Totoro, composed as composed the music as Studio Ghibli founder Toshio Suzuki, who is the producer, as well as Kenshi Yonazu, which is also from Chainsaw Man on My Hero Academia and March Comes in Like a Lion, performs the theme songs of of Globe. Studio Ghibli Ghibli producer Suzuki reveals reveals that in June that the film would not have any trailers prior to his release. The film did also did not have any telev- television spots or newspaper ads. Prior to the film's release, the studio had not revealed any plot series, a voice cast, or any of the most of the film staff. I, and I'm just... I'm very excited about this film, everyone should be excited. If you love animation in general, if you love anime, if you love me, any of Miyazaki's films, this should be the great, great opportunity to at least like have this on your calendar, December eighth. Surprisingly enough, um, a little bit of a little bit of side note. Um, uh, obviously, my birthday is on at least December, in December around that week. So um, it's obviously on a Friday. So that I'm really, really excited. To at least, if I want to have at least, if I want to have at least a birthday, birthday uh, present at least, I want to go to see this film. That's at least my first objective. My birthday present at least is I want to go see this film, and it's gonna be on a Friday, which it looks good already, and it's already on my notifications on Fandango, and I'm crossing my fingers. Hopefully, I get to see any other like these pre tickets that so could just order them, and see this film. I'm I'm. And hopefully get some notifications about this film. And there were times in the past, well, I want to say this for myself, um, my experience is that when it comes to anime movies, um, in the past there weren't that much mainstream and that much in the mainstream, uh, in the mainstream uh, uh, cinemas. They mostly had to be in like other like far away exclusive uh, theaters. You have to go see, for example, when like when I had to go see the uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh movie, Dark Side of Dimensions, I have to go to at least another movie theater outside of town because they're the only ones that are screening the film. It also gives out the uh, their premium exclusive of the uh, Obelisk Tormentor card, which I think I still have. But um, other than that, um, I'm really hoping this isn't the case. And to at least like um, uh, open for at least all theaters, world worldwide, like any mainstream theaters as well. 
that will be amazing. That'll be easy instead of just going to another, you know, rather another uh, far away, far away theater just to see this film. But if that's the case, then I, I might as well just like do it. You know, whatever. But I know the, I know it's, it's gonna be an IMAX. So it's a, for me, that's a little bit pricey. But when it comes to the Studio Ghibli film, from what I heard, is like amazing. That is worth my time. It is worth the time for anyone seeing this film. And I'm getting a lot of reports of many famous Hollywood, um, many famous Hollywood uh, directors. One is, for example, is Guillermo del Toro, who thought the film was amazing after he that he saw that in Toronto. If he said it was amazing, it's gonna be amazing. And I think I've heard that Miyazaki said he is not quite done making films. So meaning that this isn't his last film to make, but at least this is his latest film he's gonna make. So. I really am hoping for to see this film. I know it's already been released in Toronto by the time of this episode. I heard a lot of there's already been a lot of reviews already for this film. People are really excited. And I'm surprised about the summary. It takes place during World War II. Because last time was that that film being animated was um Grave of the Fireflies. Where we showed the experiences of of the bombings in Japan. And how that film, that film, when I first saw it, it was, it was really sad. It was heartbreaking, honestly. And to see this disaster going, to see this disaster, like, in the most, like, like, fluid way, it just, it just brought me to, at least, to tears and just, like, breaks me down, honestly. And it's just, just phenomenal. Like, any Studio Ghibli film for Miyazaki makes is just... It's just amazing in a, in a in a breath of fresh air. Like the last Studio Ghibli film I watched was um, was Pocoroso. That was another great film. I loved it. It was very colorful. I love the action sequences from Pocoroso. It is it is a great great film. I still there's a lot of there's a lot of Studio Ghibli films I need to watch, but at the but at the same time. Um, this one is obviously on my radar and I want to see this. I want to see this on my birthday. I want to see this film comes out on December 8th. This is what my goal is. If there's, if I'm still waiting for any announcement for pre-order tickets. If there is, I'm clicking it on the whim. I'm clicking it right now if I get the notification. Right now. <laughs> but, but, but like I said, for whatever the reviews, it seems very, very positive, which... Which gives me at least, at least a lot of joy to understand that, and I get to at least get to see a, a latest new Studio Ghibli film, released on modern day. Imagine that. It's and also there's been a good year for Studio Ghibli films being re-released in theaters, so far. Like, like there's still a lot more screening so far, but at least it gives you a bit more of the hype of what's going on with this latest film with the boy and the heroine, or the and the heroine. Or the way how you pronounce heroin, heroin, something like that. But, but I should, you should be excited. So mark your calendars, December eighth, here here in North America, December eighth, the release of Studio, Ghib Studio Ghibli's High Miyazaki film, The Boy and the Heroine. So mark your calendars there. So yeah. Now. That's it for today's news. Everyone, hope you liked today's podcast so far. Make sure you guys follow or subscribe to our podcast for many, for at least four latest episodes over there as well. So yeah, I'm still thinking of making at least any schedule change-ups, so I'll let you guys know if that ever happens. So 
this is Animation Nation. I'm your host, Prime Time here for the good day. See you guys next week or on this week. So have a wonderful day and stay safe. Goodbye.